This is The Crucible. The JRTC Experience. Good afternoon from the State Department's Brussels Media. Greetings from the U.S. Department of State's Asia-Pacific Media. Today we are very pleased to be joined... Often in remote or challenging locations, these elections are an inspiring example... Good afternoon from the State Department's Brussels Media. Good afternoon to everyone. Media. I welcome our participants logging in. ...to play a critical role in advancing prosperity, democracy, and stability across the Indo-Pacific... This is where we discuss warfighting skills and lessons learned in a decisive action training environment for large-scale combat operations at JRTC. Hi, I'm Colonel Matt Hardman, the Commander of Operations Group here at the Joint Readiness Training Center. Uh, thanks for joining us for another episode of The Crucible, the JRTC Experience, and we're fortunate today we've got Major General Hill, the SFAC Commander, with us. Uh, sir, if you could uh, introduce yourself and sort of give us a little bit of your background. Hey, thanks, Matt. Great to be here. I'm Major General Don Hill. I'm the uh, Security Force Assistance Command, Commanding General. Uh, I'm stationed out of Fort Liberty, North Carolina, uh, and it is really great to be here, especially since we've got uh, some of our advisors going through on this rotation. I've uh, been the, the CG there since uh, May of 2022, so a little more than a year on the job. Uh, prior to that, uh, I, you know, my previous experience with the advisors, I got to stand up second SFAP back uh, starting in 20. Uh, 18 and then took 2nd SFAB to Afghanistan. And as part of that building of that brigade, we brought the whole brigade to JRTC and validated the brigade prior to taking them uh, to Afghanistan. So it's great to be back here at JRTC with the advisors and the, to benefit from all the great things that JRTC gives us. I appreciate it, sir, and, and thanks for being with us. And um, so, you know, we've got some history together, sir. So <laughs> we did time in the uh, in the Black Rapids uh, prison camp up there, uh, digging snow shelters uh, up in Alaska. Great experience. Yes, sir. And uh, you know, was fortunate to to get to be in an adjacent brigade. Now, now the. Uh, 11th Airborne, but uh, back right. when it was a uh, 125 and 425. Just for the record, you were down in Anchorage. Upstate Washington. Yeah, upstate Washington. <laughs> I was at Fort Wainwright, Fairbanks, Alaska. Real Alaska. Real Alaska, yes, sir. Not postcard Alaska, real Alaska. Your, your Arctic tab. 20 degrees just... difference on any given day, summer yes, or winter. So. Uh, and, you know, phenomenal uh, experience. And, uh, Truly. I mean, great assignment. Sir. Absolutely great assignment, personally and professionally, just great, good stuff. And sir, you've, um, you know, we, we had the opportunity to talk in the spring as we, in preparation to, with training objectives uh, for this rotation, and, um, you know, it was, uh, I think we were scheduled for an hour, we ended up going an hour and a half, <laughs> and, and appreciate the time, and, um, you know, and it, it definitely helped me uh, think through not just the rotation, but the way that we were approaching uh, large-scale uh, combat operations and so you know as you you've been in this uh, doing uh, date rotations before 9-11 uh, the transformation as we've uh, we fought uh, Iraq and Afghanistan um, and, and then then now back uh, to the really the focus on large-scale combat operations and got to experience that as a brigade commander uh, and then transitions with the SFAB and so uh, up front, you know, what are your perspectives as a warfighter thinking about large-scale combat operations? Right. Um, so, it, you know, it is. it has been fascinating over the course of, of my career to, to see how the Army, you know, post-code wars, you know, 1990s when I was commissioned, so we were still very focused on a Soviet Russian threat, uh, somewhat apropos given today's uh, environment. But, uh, you know, my first 
JRTC rotation was, you know, Cortinia, you know, uh, what we call lick, low intensity conflict, but it was a, uh, you know, it was, it was not a counterinsurgency, but it was what we called low intensity at the time. So we were still fighting in what we would now call large-scale combat operations. I mean, there were tanks rolling across Sheridans, you know, it was a long time ago, uh, in that type of environment. And so, you know, saw that, but then also as a battalion commander, as a deputy brigade commander came through when we were doing the MRXs, and then have now seen the big transition, both at NTC and here. And it's, you know, I, I think it is testimony to the adaptability of the United States Army uh, to the conditions that exist and that the, the you know, people talk about the Army's slow to figure things out and, you know, there's all these pundits and, you know, folks that, that are critical that we don't adapt well. And I'm like, really? I, I disagree. You know, I've, I've lived through that. I've seen that, um, you know, and th this, this instant, you know, this this unit, the J Joint Readiness Training Center, this center adapted to the needs of the Army when we were uh, running counterinsurgency operations in Afghanistan in Iraq. I came through on a an Iraq uh, MRX uh, when I was Brigade DCO. Uh, we went into Baghdad, and you know, we were like in Baghdad, going, "Yeah, remember we were JRTC, just like when we did that. Let's do that." And then I brought my battalion here uh, before going to Afghanistan, and very similar experience. You know, we were, you know, we were refer. Hey, remember when we were JRTC? Let's do it like that. So I think, you know, this, you know, premier training center like the National Training Center uh, are incredible in, you know, helping the Army adapt uh, to the environment and the conditions that exist that the Army wants to prepare for. And so as we look to large scale, potential large scale combat operations and we have to make sure that we are ready for that, uh, it, is, it is great to see that, you know, you all continue that tradition and you've adapted based on the needs of the Army. And, you know, uh, I, I was talking uh, last night flying in uh, to a, a colonel who I'd served with previously. And, you know, we were talking about how, you know, the great thing about the CTCs is you do at the CTCs what you can only do at the CTCs. The difference of, of the complexities of the training environment and the depth of the scenarios and all of the injects and the, you know, the crazy Ivans that get thrown at you. That, that you can't replicate at home station. And, uh, and we spent a lot of time trying to do as much as we could at home station. Uh, but when you talk about large-scale combat operations, division, uh, echelon, all of those resources and assets that a division brings to the fight, or a C-Flick or, or JTF or whatever it is, you know, it's really hard at home station for units to replicate that uh, at the quality that, that gets replicated here. And so, um, you know, large scale combat, training for large scale combat operations, you know, wow, you really get it here. Uh, now, specific to us in, in the advisor world, um, the whole LISCO thing has been something that we have been looking at and figuring out, especially over about the last 18 months. Uh, obviously, Ukraine really brought that to bear. But if I could, little, I know you're a history guy. I love some history. Yeah, sir. yeah. So let me give you. A little <laughs> I, I got a slide. If we if we were giving presentation. I've got the ASI. Yeah, right. Um, I got this great slide, and it provides the historical context because. You know, there are a lot of folks in the Army that go, oh, advisors, I know what you did. I was on a MIT team, or I saw advisors, and their context is Iraq or Afghanistan. Yes, you sir. know, stability operations, counterinsurgency environment, you know, slow burn over years and years and years and years. 
you know, ad hoc provisional units that did it, and then finally, you know, professional advisors, purpose built organizations, and the SFABs. And so, if that's their context, you know, they think we teach Afghans how to shoot AKs, right? And, and, and we, hey, if that's what the Army wants us to do, that's what the nation wants us to do, that's what, that's what we will do. And that's what we were actually purpose-built to do. You know, the exord that established the SFAB said, you know, advise at the CANDAC level. Well, that's, that's, a, that was a battalion in the Afghan Army. Uh, and so we were purpose-built to do that. Dotmel PFP, everything about us was about going to Afghanistan. Doctrine, organization, training, leader selection you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so we did that, and we went to Afghanistan, and we trained to, Af for, to go to Afghanistan. I, my brigade actually were able, we sent some folks to Iraq as well. We're the first folks to do that uh, for, for the SFABs. Uh, but again, it was, it was those conditions, that environment that we were purpose-built to do. But then, you know, we, we came out of Afghan a lot sooner than we thought. The second mission that we were given in that X order was, you know, regional alignment. But we thought that was going to happen further down the road, you know, several years so we could cycle everybody through Afghanistan and then start moving out in this regional alignment. Well, that happened a lot faster. Uh, unfortunately, it happened in the midst of the plague, you know, 2020, uh, yes, when, when we're dealing with all that, that chaos. But as we were ra ra rapidly drawing down in Afghanistan, we started pushing advisors out into this regional alignment. So from about 2020 to 2022, big focus, okay, we're done with Afghanistan, we're not the SFABs, we're not doing the advising mission in there anymore. Okay, we gotta figure out this regional uh, alignment piece and what does that look like? Because that's not counterinsurgency, that's not stability operations, that's a whole lot of different things. And we were a new kid on the block, uh, so the theater armies and you know the ASCCs, they're figuring out what, hey, how do we use you guys? They got to figure out authorities. They got a budget for it. You know, all of this again happened a lot faster than people were expecting. That all sounded like work. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it was, you know, we had built this exquisite capability to generate combat power to go to Afghanistan, and then all of a sudden it's, okay, so what's what's our you know, R4 Gen rearm cycle look like. You know, we, we, we they had, luckily they built all that when I left. That had, that left second SFAB and went away for two years. I came back, I'm like, hey, I'm glad you, <laughs> glad you guys figured that out. Great that, staff work. Yeah, that, that was hard, right? Yes, How are you going to do that? And, uh, and, and then what does your training progression look like? Because, again, we, had, we knew what happened when you just take a soldier, send them, to you know, Fort Riley when we were running the advisor school there for you know, a couple of months and then sent them off. We, we knew what that looked like and that's not what we wanted to replicate. We wanted professional advisors uh, who you know, had more training, had you know, more development. And so uh, they built a, you know, a, a fat, what we call foundational phase where we individual tasks. We've got all these different MOSs from all these different areas. Very experienced, very capable, qualified, non-commissioned officers and officers. But we want to baseline everybody uh, on advisor task, everything from skill level one tasks so that we all are at the same standard to how to have a conversation with a foreign partner, how to use an interpreter how to interact with a country team. You know, I joke about, you know, sometimes we've got to teach the soldier that, hey, you're not going to wear the Def Leppard shirt when you go to the embassy, right? We're, we're, we, you know, we literally, you know, teach people how to dress when they yes, interact with a country team. Um, and everything in between. Uh, and then we've got to prepare them for the missions 
that you know cases is what they call them you know when they go into theater and it might be partnering with an operational unit it might be embedding in the enterprise and that army at their uh, their PME their professional military education or their NCOES or something like that and that that that's taken us literally years and we are still learning and figuring that out and and what we are doing is we are enabling the theater army's campaigning and you know the Secretary of Army has said that we are an integral part of campaigning and, and again that's what happened over that two-year period well then all of a sudden you know the Russians are coming the Russians are coming and just before that what the chief had acknowledged as we were looking at the force is uh, he said hey look you, you guys are not just in the competition space you live in the competition space but you are also you, you operate in the conflict space as well. So, you know, you go from competition to crisis to conflict, large-scale combat operations. So the chief says that around the end of 21, and so 22, we've pretty much figured out this, you know, theater alignment stuff. We've got it down. We're still learning. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. We learn something new every day. But we at least had the, 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 the programmatics of it down. And so from about, you know, uh, February, January, February of 22, uh, we really in earnest started looking at, okay, what, what is our contribution to large-scale combat operations in conflict? What does that look like? And if you think about it, if we're already in all these countries, and on any given day there are roughly 600 advisors, uh, plus or minus, in, a, in 30 countries around the globe, plus or minus, uh, if we're already in those countries and you know, something happens and we transition from competition to crisis or maybe straight to conflict, we, we, we can't go, oh, wait a minute, we need to go back to GRTC and figure out how to do that. You know, we, we need to be able to make that transition immediately and, and uh, you know, support our uh, partners as, as whatever the policy dictates. And so in 22, in earnest, we really started focusing on, okay, how do we how do we get ready for conflict? What does that training path look like? We got to go relook the whole dot mil PFP thing, you know, because we were designed for coin, not Lisco. And one of the key things that we did in our training management was, hey, we got to get back into the CTC business. And that's when we developed a couple of different options, and we worked with Forces Command who's you know, incredibly supportive in, in facilitating, hey, how do we get you all back into the CTCs without, you know, we're not doing what we did when we stepped, bring the whole brigade here, but we, we now have these this rearm cycle where these smaller force packages and how do we incorporate them into the, the combat training centers. And so now, because we are in the CTCs, and we've done that a couple of times, uh, twice at uh, NTC, now that we're here, this is the first one here, what that's allowing us to do is validate some of the things that we've been talking about over the last year of, okay, this is what we think it looks like. We're gonna embed at Echelon, we're gonna enable fires, we're gonna enable intelligence, and we've got this little dial that, you know, the, the ASLA, Advise, Support, Liaise, Assess, we've got this little dial, and so if I'm in competition, I'm probably doing a lot of advising. Hey, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? I do a little bit of liaising, I do a little bit of support, I'm always assessing. But if I'm over here in conflict, uh, I'm, I'm, we're not having a lot of con conversations about, hey, have you thought about this? I, it's like, hey, what do you need? The T-90s are existential. Yeah, exactly. Yes, they're, they're, so, well, the, well I, was, I was talking to some advisors who've been in 
the, a bit on these employments and competition, where we spend a lot of time on building rapport, you know, drinking chai, <laughs> and you know, having having you know meals, and, and you know, that, that's important. You got to build that relationship. But if your partner's in the middle of a gunfight, you know, they're like, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll do that after the war's over, right? Let's, let's yes, hey, what, what, if, what did you bring to the fight? What can you do for me? H hardship and danger bring cohesion Absolutely. relatively right? quickly. You know, they, they're like, you got the relationship. Hey, you're here, we're in a gunfight, you must care about us? That's true. Great, we're glad to have you on the team. And, you know, one of the things, one of the, you know, obviously our partners, you know, they want to have us on their team. That's that's important, big picture strategically. Sure, I'm going to come back to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 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 what they really want when you show up is, hey, they want, they, they want the power and might of the U.S. Department of Defense and all that that brings. Joint fires, you know, multi-domain operations, all of those things, space, cyber, whatever. They just say, what can you do? What can you help me with? And so that's where, you know, again, we're, we've evolved from, you know, you want us to do skill level one training, TCCC, merchantship, training management, NCO development, we can do that. But now, because we've got this great environment that the, the CTCs provide, now we are learning how to plan and execute and operate, again, at echelon to enable our partners to, you know, fight at the speed of the American Army and to, you know, fight and integrate with us and we enable interoperability so that, you know, if there is a partner on the flank of a U.S. formation and the U.S. formation launches out, you know, there's not this assailable flank because the partner, you know, is left going, hey, what just happened? You know, we're with them and we're helping them come along. So that was, that was a lot I threw oh, at sure. you. That, that was a history and, that's kind of where we are now. And, um, you know, the, uh, we've had multiple rotations with uh, SFAT, uh, SFAB teams here. With partners. With partners. Yes. yes. And, um, and that was part of what you and I discussed, sir, and, you know, at the, at the Echelon, you know, former company commander, team leader uh, with a Canadian battalion, 5i partner, really capable right, of, right. you know, ally, not even right. partner, ally. Um, and, and and that, you know, what you described, sir, is like, hey, is like really cool. I'm really glad you're here. Anyway, let's yeah. get the IC fires in the fight let's, let's uh, and it. that experience. And then this exercise has really helped us raise that to a higher echelon of where we're advising um, and enabling at the at the battalion and even the brigade level and, right. and, and integrating uh, with the division yes. uh, to enable a di an American division uh, to help maximize the capabilities of, of a partner in this case in our scenario. Right, and, and, and if I could, yes, sir. you know, really what 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 I think is fascinating is you know in in the counterinsurgency fight, the division was in the counterinsurgency fight, the brigade was in the counterinsurgency fight. But it was a platoon company fight, right? And the platoon or the company gets into contact. Everybody above them is like stacking on and go, what do you need? What do you need? What do you? And that's the way it should have been. Yes, sir. And so uh, what, what I saw, you know, a lot of fights that my platoon leaders and company commanders got into is, you know, what we tried to do was, you know, take some of the things off their plate so they could focus on what was in front of them, and then we would shape, you know, the environment around them with fires. We would, you know, keep them and let them know what's going on with intel or what, whatever it was that we were doing, giving them resources, you know, enabling them with all those different things. And so, you know, that that was that was really interesting. Whereas now it's like, 
it's like, holy crap, every company is in a fight. Yes, sir. All at the same time. And, sir, if I can tug on that, yeah. because when I, when I talk to people uh, and, and trying to help a, ge a generation of, of officers that, that didn't, you know, I, I did two CTC rotations before 9 11, right. uh, decisive action. Um, you know, we have some that, have, that had never experienced that before, right. or, or they grew up in an army where, where that wasn't the common experience of, you know, this tendency to kind of pass on um, knowledge. Um, you know, as a brigade chief of operations in regional command north in Afghanistan 2010-11, when a company would get in a direct firefight, we would turn off everything else. Exactly. We, hey, company, you need to hold, stop, we're not gonna do that patrol, so that we could put ISR, H-64s, CAS, all over one rifle company. Overmatch. Whole, complete overmatch. Division, <laughs> Total. Division brigade, all massing capability right. to, to make it an exponentially unfair fight. Yes. And as you described, you know, large-scale combat operations, you know, the expectation is everybody's in the fight, and the division really ha is shaping the deep fight in space and time right. in front of a brigade to get the Kofums right to enable brigades to win in a close fight. And that's just a, a really- Simultaneous yes, to sir. the close fight going on, right? I mean, it's yes, not sir. like, it. Well, well, we just do the deep fight and then you do the close fight. No, it's yes, all like constant, like constant. Yes, tugging them back and uh, forth. And, and this, you know, part of our conversation that we had, sir, you know, in the spring was this inevitable tension over resources. Um, and you know that exists. If if all you have is an American division, there's going to be tension over resources as right. main effort, uh, supporting effort one, two, uh, requirements at the division level as they're trying to balance the close fight with what the division's doing in the deep fight. Oh, by the way, probably the core commander or CFLIC commander taking things that the division owns right. to exactly. solve problems. Right. Um, a different level of complexity when we're talking about multi-national, uh, you know, either allies or partners that are in that fight. And if you if you could just talk about that a little bit, because I think that's a, a huge part of, of a challenge for for ASVAB. Sure, and, and it and it works both ways. Um, and so you know, I mean, it, it's it's what do we have? We the U.S. whatever that force is to enable the partners because you don't want them to fail. I mean, you're there because of them, right? I mean, it's it's na US national security interests, but it's it's probably their country, right? <laughs> and so, you know, we, we can't, one of, one of our, you know, in, in our creeds, you know, we can't want it more than them, right? You know, we can't be decisive as advisors. It's gotta be them. You know, we, wanna, we want them to be in the front. And so ha that's the liaison support, and that's that, you know, tension, uh, which is, you know, we, we want to do that in the training environment and see that, which we can do here, because that's real. I mean, you, their history is replete with, you know, the one the one that everybody loves to talk about is, you know, they, Ike gave money to gas and Patton was very upset, right? I mean, <laughs> yes, that, that's what we're talking about here is you, you have allies, you have partners, and you have these finite resources, and, you know, sometimes it's all the way up to the strategic level that decisions are made of who's going to get what. Uh, but down at the division, you know, down at the tactical level, it's, it's going to be, you know, the allocation of resources. I mean, I, I saw it in, in, in Iraq and Syria in, in 17. It was, you know, allocation of certain munitions based on the need, you know, based on the fight that the Iraqis were in in Mosul and based on the fight that the, uh, you know, that our partners were in in Raqqa. And, and you know, we were 
you know, we were literally at the, at the you know, CGTF level, we were going, okay, you're going to get this, <laughs> this munition, and you're going to get that munition, and you're going to get this many of these, and that kind of stuff. And so those are the types of things that we're doing. Uh, another thing, though, is, you know, this goes into the assess and that little dial, you know, what can the partner do to enable us? Yes, sir. Because they've got capabilities, and you know, and obviously it depends on the partner, it depends on the theater. Uh, but we we were, you know, we've not only gotten into the CTC business, we are getting into the warfighter business, and we were at a warfighter, and you know, you know, one of the buzzwords these days is convergence, right? And okay, how do we achieve convergence? And you know, this this higher headquarters was looking at these partners on their flank, and they're like, man, why why? We want to achieve convergence, but we need the counterfire fight. How come they're not involved in the counterfire fight? Well, they weren't involved in it because they were husbanding their fires, and they, you know. And so, you know, okay, now it's us liaising with the higher hackers. The higher hackers, look, what do you want the partners to do? Because they've got this capability, and so, okay, got it. They let them, they do this, we do this. Boom, we achieved convergence in this, in this case. Another example was a different warfighter where we had advisors literally behind enemy lines with the partners surrounded by the evil Denovians. And, you know, I was, I was, observe, I was just observing the, 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 uh, the exercise, but, you know, one of the division commanders like, hey, can your, can your guys, can they do this, can they get the partners to do this and this to enable, I'm gonna attack, and if you can, I'm like, yeah, just ask them. I was just in their talk, and they, they had all the answers to the questions that he was asking. I go, absolutely. And, and so, okay, great, great. And, and, and so that, that's where it's, it's, you know, yeah, we're supporting them, but, you know, that liaise piece and that assess piece is critical to, you know, the, the CFIX telling the Americans, all right, I want you to attack, and this is when you're going to attack. I mean, we need to come up and go, okay, hey, if you do that, the partner, you know, they're not ready. You know, they need three more days. They need, if you want them to attack, they need, you know, half a million gallons of gas or whatever it is. Uh, we, that's one of the things that we think is important that we can do to help provide uh, to, to the, you know, whoever the, the, the leadership is that's running the show. The, the other part, though, that, uh, you know, the chief staff of the Army, he's like, you know, pointing his finger, hey, uh, we need to know if they are going to fight. I'm sorry, I'm glad it doesn't change. We all get, you know, like, hey. That's true. Um, and, and that's a, the, the human dimension of absolutely. this. Absolutely. And so it's not just assessing, you know, will, will there, do they have the fuel, do they have the ammunition? It's will to fight. And we've all seen how you know, critical that is. We've got scar tissue. A lot of us have scar tissue from Afghanistan, you know. Sarah in 21. Right, sir. yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's like, what happened? Uh, you know, will, will means a lot. Um, well, you know, sir, with that, I mean, the human dimension, the resources, you know, oftentimes in an exercise, it's, it's very, um, you know, we're, we're trying to make these decisions very rationally. But you gave right. a great example of like Patton and Montgomery. I mean, everybody loves their soldiers. They care right. about their soldiers. Right. And it's, it, it, it can't help but become personal when you start taking casualties. And I mean, that part with the advisors living with them, um, and you know, probably at times a perception that Americans have all these capabilities, why aren't you helping me? Right. Because there's only so much peanut butter to spread. Right. And, and what. Um, and those are tough calls. Yes, sir. I mean, do, you, do you, again, it goes back, you know, this is where it's, it's strategic. 
You know, and that's that's not my. I don't do that stuff. You don't do that stuff. No, There's people above us that do that, and they make those decisions, and then we just execute. But but they're informed by these assessments. Exactly. Yes, and that's where we've got to be like, okay, if you do this. This is what's going to happen. This is our assessment of what's going to happen. So yes, that's really important. Which again, you know. Being involved in the complex environments of the CTCs, you know, those are the problem sets, those are the discussions, those are the, those are the conditions that, that you all can create for us to really put our advisors, you know, into those situations to go, all right, what are you going to do, advisor? Like, oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, what, what's your assessment? <laughs> you know, the commander's going to make a decision based on your assessment. So that's, true. that's why it's awesome. So, um, you you talked a little bit about it the the change that occurred with the SFAB from from when it was that original XORD stood up. Um, you know what else have you seen from a modernization perspective, sir? Yeah, the uh, the comms piece has always been something that was very important to us. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, very contentious as well early on is you know the Army invested a lot of money. Uh, into what we now commonly call the ITN, uh, you know, and, and got that to us early on. Uh, and so we've got that and we operate that and, and, you know, we're using it every day. And so we've, we've gotten pretty familiar with that uh, across the, the formation. I mean, we've, we've obviously got our, our, our 25s, our signaliers that are experts, but, you know, there's one signalier on a team. Right, and so obviously we've got to build redundancy and build depth, and so that those are some critical tasks and, and understanding. Sure, I'm be, sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but if you're watching, you got to build that redundancy, whether or not you're yeah, in right. or exactly. not. Absolutely. Sorry. Yeah, they're <laughs> not. They're Thanks, not they're not enough signalers around, especially the warrants. I mean, those right. guys are unicorns. Absolutely, right? Those guys sir. and gals, and it's like, yeah, right. And so, um, you. you We've all got to have those those skill sets, and so we were given some you know really exquisite kit, uh, which now the, the army's proliferating out, but that that comes with challenges, and and it, and it it's there's training challenges, there's uh, commonality challenges. You know, I've got five compo one brigades and one uh, guard brigade, and we don't all have the same capability set. You know, that's so now we have interoperability challenges internal to ourselves. But we also then have interoperability challenges with the Army formations that we're supposed to support and liaise with. And so, again, if, if we're only going into the theater with our partners, we're not going to understand those challenges like we are when we come to the CTCs where we're working with you know, the 21st Airborne Division. Right uh, or the 52nd Division, or or all these partners on our left and right, and the warfighters and the division headquarters and the corps headquarters, and so that aspect as the army modernizes communications, we continue to work to modernize ours. That is something that is, you know, that's you know, you got Moore's law in there. Like every 18 months, this stuff's new and faster and better and stronger, and so we are constantly putting effort and energy into that. The Army's emphasis and the Army's uh, efforts, uh, you know, to look at command posts. Yes, sir. You know what we again, what we've learned from the fight in, in uh, Ukraine, and you know, reducing our signature, reducing our footprint. You know, you can't have the big purpose-built tiered talks that we had in Afghanistan and Iraq. Did that work? You can't do that in large-scale combat operations. You can do it once, and then, <laughs> boom, you're going to eat a missile, um, or, or a lot of, lot of missiles, uh, or a lot of artillery. And so we are spending time 
looking at that, and you know, we, we've we've done uh, the security force assistance proponency, which is a part of the uh, Mission Command Center of Excellence out of CAC at Fort Leavenworth. They did a gap study. It was in 2021. And so, you know, a lot of the things that they identified were like, oh, these are gaps. Well, we, we've gone back and re-looked it now that we've got some other things going on. But one of the big ones is, the, you know, the communications. Do we have the right kit? Do we have the right kit um, at Echelon? And what, what, what large-scale combat operations has also driven us to do is to go, you know, again, we were purpose-built to advise CANDACs, but now we've got, you know, teams led by captains with, you know, uh, certain first-class team sergeants and, you know, a bunch of sergeants and staff sergeants, you know, they're advising battalions, you know, peer battalions, NATO-type capable battalions or higher echelons or plugging into these other formations. And so, you know, the, wow, if you want them to advise at that echelon, if you want them to support at that echelon, then they need to have commensurate capabilities that a U.S. would have at that echelon, U.S. formation would have at that echelon. So, you know, when you talk about things like um, AFATADs and, you know, AMDUs and TAIS and all these different systems that, that a, you know, fully capable, peer-capable partner force would have, well, back to the dot mil PFP, we, you know, we, we didn't build that into the advisors. Uh, because the Afghans, that wasn't an issue. Yes, Americans sir. took care of the airspace. You know, Americans were dealing with all that stuff. So that has been a critical part of our modernization efforts: is to, to peel that back and to look at where those gaps are. We, you know, the priority has been to get our comm straight, uh, because if we can't talk to, you know, the U.S. higher headquarters, then we're, we're not we're not liaising, we're not supporting, we're not doing anything. Uh, but then we've also got to understand things like mission partner environments and CPCE and what are all these systems that the U.S. has got. You know, uh, we've learned a lot about, you know, foreign disclosure officers and what they can and can't do, what can you share, you know, the whole right to release, you know, all of those types of things. Because uh, you've got this system, you know, okay, I've got it here, but my partner wants to know, what's, what, what's the system say? Has it got all the answers? You know, does it tell me where the bad guys are? Why won't you show that to me? Um, so a lot of that, that you know, we're, we're working with all that. I, th I think I'm addressing. No, that absolutely, that. sir. And um, you know, the centrality of communication, you know, particularly for for what the SFABs are doing, because um, that's the that's the gateway for the fires, the intel right. collection, the sustainment. Right. And we're we're um, off, you know, on some flank. Yes, sir. We're behind enemy lines. As we were in this in this scenario. Right. Exactly. Um, right. And it, and so it's you know your comms doesn't work. Which, yes, again, it's, it's, you know, what the CTCs get us is truly putting all that stuff together in a field environment, in a distributed, you know, environment that's, you know, you've got the capabilities, you can tell us what we look like in the spectrum, you know, you can jam us, you can do all these things that, you know, I, I can't do that home station, I don't have those resources. That's right. Uh, the brigades don't have those resources. And so that, you know, we know that that's the environment we're going to be fighting in. Well then, let's come here and see what that looks like. Because the, you know, if you don't if you don't train in that it, environment, you're not going to be ready to fight. It uh, it it was a ton of fun with your team here, sir. And in part because that's like that's where like, hey, this is really going to hurt. Do it to me, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, right. And, uh, and, and you know, which it was really good to see. And, and also, uh, 
you know, iterations that happened here to make command posts uh, more survivable, smaller, right. more agile, more functional. Uh, that was that was awesome to get to see that and see that growth. And, and in part because you know people came in with a mindset of like, okay, hey, we acknowledge that this is how the world is, right? And, and we got to turn into it. And um, well, and, and what what again? What's great about the CTCs is, you know, that this is like a laboratory and we use that term a lot you know but it's like no joke it really is and so if you come here with the right attitude and you go you know and you tell the cog and you tell and you're planning go look this is what i want to do this is i want to look at this so like uh, i took uh, i had a striker brigade you know yes, there in, in alaska um not northern washington um, <laughs> You know, we we had training objectives. We said, and when you talk about you know your mission command nodes, your you know one of one of the things that said, look, I want to fight from my main. I want to fight from you know my tack. I want to fight on an airborne C2 platform. I want to fight in my mobile command post. I'm like, okay, look, whatever you all do to me, make sure that I am given the opportunity to do these things so that we can learn what works, what doesn't work, and all that stuff. Because we spent a lot of time figuring out what those would look like. And, and then we went to the National Training Center and then and, and we trained on it and we looked at it and we immediately went back and started going, all right, get rid of that tent and get rid of that table and that's too big and that's too much. And and so the, the ability to learn and experiment here is just, un, you know, it's, it's unlike anything that you can do at home. Uh, and then, then you, you get better, you really get better. So that's, that's I, that was what we, you know, I think what the advisors have brought is, Hey, we, we want to figure out what this looks like and how to do this uh, because we got to be prepared to do it. Yes, because sure. here's the other thing, not, not not to get back into the history too much, but <laughs> you're yeah. like no, I, I'm you're the in. history guy. Uh, but you know, we are regionally aligned. But what what we all have to remember is, you know, if there's a big one. We're all going Ooh. to the big one. Yes, sir. Right? We're all going to run to get, the sound of the guns. Get to go to right? the big we're one. All get to go, right? Um, and, and so, you know, just because there's one brigade aligned against one theater doesn't mean that's the only brigade if, that, if there's a big fight in that theater. I mean, we're all going to support them. And historically, we have done that. Uh, we did that, you know, there, we surged some capabilities into Europe uh, back in early 22 uh, from one of the other brigades because that's that's what the situation required and uh, that's what we needed to do. So that's it's important. We got to be able to do that. Yes, sir. Um, so, you know, from your perspective, you know, going forward as we support um, SFABs. Uh, and then just in general, you know, what are your thoughts on uh, CTC modernization and, you know, what, oh, you know, what you've seen? And I, I, I am excited. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I'm privileged of my headquarters is in the Forcecom headquarters. And so I get to see a lot of the things that they're working on and they're talking about. And, you know, it, 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 as you look at .mil PFP, you know, the Army has updated our doctrine, okay, 3.0, MDO. We're updating our organizations. You know, we're relooking the division as the the primary we're fighting uh, uh, organization. You know, we're building more organizations, multi-domain task forces, SFABs. We're increasing the number of uh, air defenders based on threats. I mean, I could go on and on. All these organizational changes that we are we are doing. 
uh, we've, you know, the chief with uh, the implementation of the uh, command assessment program, so the L, the leadership, we're re re really re looking how we select and build leaders for the 21st century. Materially, you know, uh, 24 and 23, the, again, the chief's efforts to modernize the, the Army with the right kit and, and gear. Okay, great. T. Let's look at the T. Uh, and the, you know the culminating you know training event is the CTCs, and so it's you know Forcecom's efforts to modernize the CTCs, and you know it's integrating. How do you integrate the division into a CTC without taking away from? They were built for the brigades, and we don't want to lose that. Uh, but how do we still all the things we talked about? You know, the the Lisco fight is not a brigade fight. It's it's a lot of brigade fights. And so how do you besides just you know your you know 21st Airborne Division headquarters? How do we leverage this you know incredible training environment for these division headquarters? And and. We, yeah, we have the warfighters, and those are great, but, uh, you know, General Taylor out at the NTC, he'll be like, hey, the warfighters train you on these things, the DIRT CTCs train you on these things. You know, we, we, we can't do either or. We've got to do both. Yes, sir. Uh, and so how do we get the best out of both? Um, so that we've got these incredibly capable, you know, platoons, companies, troops, batteries, battalions, brigades, and division headquarters that can operate in this, you know, very demanding large-scale combat operation environment. And so, you know, integrating the divisions, you know, the things you all have done with the drones, you know, I was out in Battlefield Cert today, and they're like, you know, sir, we had to displace because the drones were overhead, and I mean, that's, you know, get on YouTube, get you know, get on Twitter or Reddit. I mean, that's 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 what day-to-day -day life in the Eastern Front in Ukraine is all about, right? I mean, yes, they're, they're they're living that every single day. So, you know, you all again, you know, the Army is a little bit more adaptive and moves a little bit faster than people give us credit for sometimes. You know, drone swarms, uh, the jamming. You know, right? I mean, it used to be, you know, we're being jammed, and it's like, okay, you, no, wait, we're jamming ourselves, right? Usually it was us jamming us, you know, but now it's like, phew, you guys are flipping the switch, and it's it gets ugly, uh, really fast. And so I think those types of things are critical. Again, going across that Domino PFP, um, you know, construct and the T that you all are tying in all of these things and, and adapting. Uh, the training centers to be able to integrate all those complexities so that we can crank out really cohesive, well-trained, capable formations that can go out and, and fight and win. So, yes, sir. No, I, yeah. you know, the adaptability, you know, we talked about up front. I mean, I think that's been one of the most uh, interesting and exciting parts of, of you know, been, been in the position a year. No two rotations have been the same. Right. Um, you know, we have a C, we've had a Seaburn Battalion here, uh, tons of multinational partners. We've had a couple uh, com uh, combat aviation brigades come, a couple division tax fight here. Um, uh, we're going to have an engineer battalion, Echelon's uh, above brigade engineer battalion uh, come through, SFAB. Um, and it's just interesting the combinations that have been here that really, I think, you know, provide more uh, rigor uh, to, to a large-scale combat operations while all remaining focused on, you know, the primary training audience, uh, right. the brigade. Is, you know what I were talking about, yeah. sir? You know, this thing generates a ton of energy, you know, 100 horsepower, 
but but the brigade really only the brigade in the box really only consumes about 50 horsepower right and so you know this rotation was great because we were able to plug in um, and, and and use some of that horsepower to, to meet training objectives uh, for your team um, and I think th I think the, the space there to continue to grow and evolve this is, is really cool Good, um, good. It's been fun to see, sir. Because that's that we we wanted to tap yes, into sir. that horsepower because that's just that's that's you know rare horsepower that you can't or it's really expensive horsepower yes, that you can't yeah. you know you can't <laughs> find uh, every everywhere out there and it, it's hard to generate. So that's you know the complexities of the environment that you all create. Um, you know, as close to real as is, is anywhere. Uh, yeah, that that's that's incredible to be able to plug into that. That's that's really neat. That's really awesome. And, and you know, if I could yes, a little, sir. you know, you talk about the you no know, two rotations a lot are alike. You know, um, you know, two things. You know, not every soldier believes like, oh, I've been in JRTC. It's always the same. <laughs> I go. You know, we do the draw. It sucks. Hurry up and wait. And it's like, yeah, but if you peel that back. You know, you know. Usually, folks don't come here in the same at the same rank and same you know job in the same unit that they were the last time, right? And so they're actually, you know, you're growing and you're learning something new and different, right? And so uh, it, it's you know there, there's some tropes out there, oh same old stuff, and it's like, nah, I bet it was different if you were a professional and you really, you know, weren't just some jerk on Reddit, you know, whining, whining <laughs> about stuff. You were actually, you know, an adult and, and thinking about what you got out of that experience. Uh, and so I, I would argue, yeah, if you've seen it, if you've seen a CTC rotation, you've, you've seen a CTC rotation. That's right, sir. But that's the beauty of it. Um, and and it, you know, it used to be that you'd be like, oh, let's learn JRTC. And I think what feeds the trope is, you know. The lessons learned at JRTC, unfortunately, a lot of them are the same. But people forget. Well, yeah, but that's a different unit. Now yes, they sir. learned the le they just what? didn't read the last lessons learned you know, you know, you know, from call because the call gives you the answers, <laughs> answers, right? Hey, here you go. This don't do this. Synchronize your fires. Observe your obstacles. Integrate but, your fires plan into the obstacles, right? I mean, it's like in the manual. You know, this, you know this, this stuff isn't rocket science. So Joe Garter and I talk about you know the first the first type of trend here is it's hard because it's always been hard. You know, <laughs> right. Lieutenant Hardman yeah. at the National Training. Center, yeah, you know, right. pulls over on the side of the road, OCT pulls up, gets out, like, you lost her? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, and, you know, and, you know in, in 1775, George Washington was talking about lieutenants getting lost. Right, I mean, exactly. It's not dumb people, bad people, uh, it, it's they don't have the experience. And then we put them in this immersive training environment, and, you know, I've never seen a unit come here at the, at the company level and below and not get better. It right. just happens. Exactly. Um, but but there's some things that are hard and they've always been hard and um and i do think that that feeds you know some of the tropes i mean you know my uh my experience you know out at the national training center to now like our army is clearly getting better right um you know we're um the the many of the challenges that i saw there in 2016 uh through 18 those aren't like we do those things pretty routinely now. Now I, I do think you know th there are things that are so hard that we work at that are, are pretty foundational, um, but our army is thinking about higher level things. Yes. And you know the the multinational uh, coalition fight, and I think that's you know one of the values. Obviously, the SVAB got great training value of being here, but the other value is for the the other units uh, in the rotation having to. To be mindful that we have uh, a coalition partner 
uh, and the considerations of that, and then the then the uh, the interaction liaison with the SFAB team. So I think going forward, I mean, it, it it brings not just training value for them, but really for everybody that's in the fight. And and ultimately, I think you know holistically, that's what we're trying to achieve with um, with bringing these other units and plugging them into the fight while maintaining focus on on that primary training audience. And so I think they benefit from it. Capitalizing from all that energy that you yes, generate. Yeah. Yes, sir. A lot, <laughs> a lot of energy. A lot of energy. A lot of energy. Um, hey, sir. So I got. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up, and I'll let you have the final word. But I gotta ask one question. What was your first rotation at CTC? <laughs> so my first rotation, I, I was the support platoon leader in Second Ranger Battalion, and it was January 1993. So a few years ago. <laughs> Uh, and the support platoon in Second Ranger Battalion back in the 90s was like three people. Yes, sir. Me, the ammo NCO, and the transportation NCO. And then we would get, you know, you know, privates, Ranger privates that would, you know, be tasked to support missions or whatever. We'd work with the companies and all that stuff. And so we showed up. Uh, and, you know, like like four OCs showed up and they're like, hey, what's going on? Where's your platoon? And I'm like, you're looking at it, pal. <laughs> you know, there's this captain, I'm a first salty first lieutenant, and he's, he's looking at me going, what do you mean? And I'm going, yeah, it's me, it's him, it's him. It's like, we're it. And he, they just, they couldn't wrap their heads around it. And so, uh, it was, needless to say, it was an experience. But it was, it was, uh, you know, you know, a Ranger Battalion doing special operations stuff. And there was, uh, it was the, you know, what became the 173rd was a task force at the time. They came sure. in from Europe, and they were here. And so it was, you know, I, I'm. First lieutenant, I didn't. I was like, "What? What's going on, man? I don't know. What's you know? I got to support these people. We got to go. We got to drive a convoy into the box and need back this and do that. I mean, it was just, again, it was all these problems that were being thrown at me and my my, my two NCOs, and it, you know, I, I, holy cow, I learned all sorts of stuff. And you know, it was cold, it was wet, it was <laughs> miserable. I'll never forget that. You know, I was, you know, uh, you know, trying to stay warm, uh, but. You know, it, it was a great experience. That that was you know my first CTC rotation, uh, you know, and then but but the other time I but that was my first rotation in the box as a participant. About a year prior to that, I was actually an augmentation OC in Operation I think it was called Sand Eagle. That where we validated the ops box, you know, the box when they moved JRTC from Fort Chaffee to uh, Fort then, then Fort yeah, yeah, Fort Johnson, and so I, you know, I was I was a you know OC I was a mortar platoon leader in Seventh Infantry Division, so I was an OC augmentee to another mortar platoon in Seventh Infantry Division that was actually in the box. I mean that experience was incredible. You know, I'm filling my squalor and I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. Oh my God, I can't believe they did that. You know, oh, that's a great idea. I need to do that. You know, and so I was able to take that back to my uh, mortar platoon. And so, you know, you you know, you come here as an augmentee, you come here as an RTU, you know, what, whatever, as an OC, OC augmentee, as a, as a blue four augmentee, as an op four augmentee, you know, holy cow, that, that's just good stuff. So th those are my two yes, first, you know, experience. Experiences at, uh, at uh, the Joint Readiness Training Center. Well, sir, uh, thanks so much for being here, and I, I give you, you know, sort of the final word. Any closing comments and, and any advice for for leaders out there? Yeah. So, well, first of all, you know, thanks for what you and everybody at the JRTC does. Um, you know, making the Army better. 
you know, it's a, it's a laboratory, it's, all, it's a schoolhouse, right? I mean, you come here, you study hard if you're a good professional, and you do everything you can to train up, and then you come here, and it's, it's you know, it's an assessment. You, you should walk away from this better and, you know, know yourself, seek self-improvement. You're going to have gotten better, but you're also going to know what you need to do to get better. And that doesn't just happen overnight. That's, that's the incredible work that you and your team of professional OCTs do and all the supporting cast and crew to make that happen. So thanks for what you all do uh, because that's, I mean, that that's why we're the great army that, that we are. I mean, there's a lot of books written about, you know, you know how the, the modern American army post-Vietnam got good. Well, it's, you know, the CTCs is like, you know, one of the top five things that, you know, it wasn't just the M1 tank and the Apache, right? It was in the CTCs. So thanks for what you all do. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, again, back to the history and the context, you know, just, just so the folks out there know, you know, you may think you know what an SVAB is and what an SVAB does and what advisors did, uh, but it, it, it may be a little different than what you think uh, based on what you may have seen in Afghanistan or Iraq or other stories you may have heard. You know, we, we are, like I said, we are deployed every day. Advisors are out there doing incredible work with our partners. You know, small tactical units, one of our bumper stickers is one captain, one team, one country, alone and unafraid, having a strategic impact every single day and they're doing incredible work uh, but we also recognize that we've got to be prepared for when the call comes you know that's that's our most likely but we got to be prepared for the most dangerous and so uh, we are training for that as well and so you know if there, there's some folks that you know may have a perception of, oh go to the SFAB and just go hang out and we're, you know wear brown braid and run around and do what you want to do goes, oh okay yeah <laughs> no don't come to us. We don't want you. We want professionals that want to get better at their jobs, that, that you know, want to excel, that want to be challenged, that want to come to school here and learn and get better and push themselves and, and then go out and share that with our partners or, if called upon, be prepared to uh, do what the nation needs us to do. So uh, damn glad and proud to be the Command General of the SFAC and uh, want all quality folks that we can to, to, to volunteer and come. Uh, but, uh, you know, Really, really great to be here. Be all you can be. Thanks, sir. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. your time. All right. Thank you for joining us on The Crucible, the JRTC experience. The Joint Readiness Training Center is the premier crucible training experience. We prepare units to fight and win in the most complex environments against world-class opposing forces. We are America's leadership laboratory. Again, we'd like to thank our guests for participating. This podcast was created and produced by Mr. John Mabes. It was recorded and edited by Chief Thomas Rich and researched by First Lieutenant Anthony Cho. Intro vocals were done by Mr. Robert Chopper. Special thanks to Captain Jermaine Branch and Mr. Jeff England from Public Affairs. Be sure to like and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest warfighting TTPs learned through the crucible that is the Joint Readiness Training Center. Follow us by going to https colon forward slash forward slash l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash j-r-t-c. We'd like to thank our partners at the Center for Army Lessons Learned of the Combined Arms Center, especially the JRTC Call Observations Detachment. Be sure to follow them on social media as well. Follow them at https 
colon forward slash forward slash www.army.mil forward slash C-A-L-L. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review us wherever you listen or watch your podcasts. And be sure to stay tuned for more in the near future. The Crucible, the JRTC experience, is a product of the Joint Readiness Training Center.